0: Good morning and welcome to you. You're here at the right time for the start of this earlier than normal service. So you've managed two things. Firstly, setting the clocks back a couple of weeks ago. Secondly, noting the early start of today's service. Well done. In fact, if you do the maths, if you'd forgotten both of those, you'd still be here. Well, today's our remembrance service. Um, In some ways, a normal service, but focused on remembering the human cost of conflicts past and present. We're aiming to finish at 10.25 at the latest, give you an opportunity to join the walk, the parade, down to uh, St John's, where there's a village commemoration, especially of local people um, who made the ultimate sacrifice in years gone by in conflicts. Special thanks to Rain for uh, arranging, and others probably, for arranging our backdrop today. Uh, And thanks to Peter Herring, um, he's prepared some lovely remembrance plates. Do have a look at them, they'll be out the back. So, we're going to open our service by singing a hymn. Appropriately, it's got a military flavour, but it makes clear God is our refuge and strength. some notices in addition to what's in the newsletter tomorrow is rose clark's birthday rose is going to be 89 years young she's still a friend attending friendship club as staff helping prepare the meal for the oldies well done rose have a lovely day tomorrow Thank you for your recent support and prayers for our grandson, Zach. He's on his gap year and he spent a month doing voluntary work supporting refugees on the Greek island of Chios. He's back now and this is his report. So, Zach writes, Some people whose lives are in danger in war-torn, failed states simply have to get out. Many make their ways from countries like Afghanistan and Syria to Turkey. That's not a safe place for refugees. But from the Turkish coast, you can see the Greek islands of Chios and Lesbos. And Greece is where the refugees hope to make uh, their claim for asylum. So they contact people smugglers, who typically charge each refugee a 1,000 quid for the final stage, seven-mile boat trip. That money is probably the last of what they have, even what they've been able to borrow. So for that money, you get a cheap inflatable boat, overloaded with refugees, life-saving equipment, just inner tubes or life jackets that aren't much good, simple outboard motor, also the cheapest available, minimum fuel for the journey. So at night, the refugees are launched, told to make their way for a particular lighthouse. Seas can be rough. And Zach says that shortly shortly before his stay on the island, one boat landed with only 12 of the 19 that had set out women, children, and a baby lost. Sorry. That's hard to to read. One boat that landed while Sack was there had drifted in after 22 hours floating around. The fuel provided by the traffickers had been insufficient. To give you an idea of numbers, last month, 1,815 refugees made it to Kiosk alone. So one part of my volunteering on Kiosk was with the first responders when boats come ashore, usually from 2 a.m. onwards. Medics are on call if needed, but all refugees need towels, dry clothing, food, water and other essentials provided by the CESRT charity. Volunteers there aim to offer a humane, supportive, respectful welcome. As well as assisting new arrivals, I also helped with voluntary work alongside the Vial refugee camp. Residents there are in limbo until their asylum claims are processed. It takes many months, even over a year. So the camp, designed for 1,500, now has over 5,500 residents. Many living rough, no school, recreation, or social facilities inside the camp. Minimum rations, meagre health care. Refugees are not allowed To find work seemingly the conditions are kept deliberately grim because the authorities want to deter others from coming but the cesrt charity operates um, a center alongside the camp language lessons games for the kids clothes exchange etc zach says his main involvement alongside the camp was to help run games and songs with up to a hundred children at a time some are excited and eager. Others show more clearly the trauma that they've been through. Zach found that the charity was a really good one. It's low-key, it's homegrown, set up in response to the human need on kiosks, but well-operated, well-organized. Though, inevitably, resources are limited. On the night he left, he said they ran out of blankets. The workers are all volunteers. All ages from all countries, they work long hours, but they do make a difference. But underlying, there's a mountain of a problem. There seems no political will to overcome the problem of the refugees. Where do they go to? Greece really does not want them. And other European countries, sadly involving Britain, are increasingly reluctant to help. So this apparently insoluble problem uh, looks as if it's carrying on. So Zach says he aims to fundraise for the charity, and he may go back at some stage. NBC has kindly donated funds before uh, I went, says Zach. Again, thank you so much. That enabled me to buy materials for the first responders and for the centre alongside the camp, especially materials for the Kids Club and fuel for the supply vehicle. Zach says he found it a privilege to be able to meet these vulnerable refugees, however briefly, welcome them with dignity but knowing that their path has not and will not be an easy one. Well, that was Zach's story. Um, If you Google CESRT, you can find more information online. They've got an updated Facebook. And appropriate, too, on Remembrance Day, people he helped are modern civilian victims of current-day conflicts. So we're going to sing again, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace, and I wonder if some kind folk could circulate the tubs, please, while we do that.
1: Make me a. Chance.
0: Uh, please sit and uh, now let's come to god in prayer let's pray lord we pray for all who bear the burden and privilege of leadership whether political military or religious that they may be peacemakers and peacekeepers lord give gifts of wisdom and resolve in the search for reconciliation and peace We pray for justice for all peoples and harmony among the nations. And may we do what we can so that all people may together live in freedom, justice, and peace. We pray for those refugees who Zach met and helped and others like them. We pray for a solution to the underlying problems and swiftly please, Lord. We commend these, our gifts, that they may be used wisely for your work. Please bless those we support through compassion and MFA. Uh, We pray for those in our own fellowship who are housebound, for Phil, Enid, Irene, Sheila Whitfield, and others. We pray for the Focuses, thanking you that David is back home, and we ask that June may find relief from the back pain. We pray too for Cliff and Sue Arnold in India. We know that country is especially unsupportive of Christians, and we ask you to help them navigate those difficult challenges. Finally, Lord, we pray for all who are not with us, for whatever reason, that you will meet them at points of need. Amen. And now Val's going to bring some extracts from the scripture, which I'll reflect on later.
2: Uh, Luke, From Luke uh, 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a censor should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. In Luke 7, it tells us, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The passage tells us that he asked Jesus for help, and the passage ends with, and the servant was healed. In Luke 19, we hear that Jesus entered Jericho, just passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. In Matthew 10:34, when Jesus sent out the 12, he said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And these words spoken by Jesus to his disciples near the end of his earthly life in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Thank you.
0: Uh, My talk today is in four parts, little parts, don't get worried. All to do really with Remembrance Sunday, reflecting on the human cost of conflicts. So firstly, a bit on Christian faith, the first century Christians and their conflict. Secondly, centenary and um, conflicts in general, including the Second World War, because centenary I'm going to reflect on is the Great War. Thirdly, our folk in the Great War, and then the traditional remembrance. So I'm going to start with part one, the human cost of conflict. It often arises because of arguments about territory and control. Now, I'm sure Jesus was well aware of conflict due to territorial dispute. He was born a Jew in Israel, but the country was occupied by the Romans, as it had been occupied by various peoples for centuries before Jesus was born. Now the Jews knew their history; they knew they'd been free, they knew that they were the promised uh, they were the chosen people, that was their promised land. yet their country was occupied by others. It wasn't just head knowledge, this was emotional for the Jews. Now Val read Luke's statement that the Roman Emperor had issued a decree about registration, and if you think about it, Jesus's dad Joseph probably had a thing or two to say. Um, to the young Jesus, maybe along the lines of mm, those Romans, they wanted to make sure that they could tax every one of us. So everyone had to register in their ancestral home, would you believe? We had to journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem to register. That's over a hundred miles, lad. Ross, stony tracks, uphill, downhill, and your mum heavily pregnant with you, either walking or on a donkey. That's how you came to be born in a stable in Bethlehem. Oh, those Romans. As for the Romans, puppet King Herod, don't get me started on the things that he did. Yeah, so I reckon Jesus would have heard a lot of moans about the Romans as he grew up. And when Jesus was older, and it became clear that he was a very special person with a mission, many hoped he would be the revolutionary who would liberate Israel from Roman rule. But what do we hear in the scriptures? Luke tells us how Jesus was happy to help the Roman centurion. He healed his sick servant. Now, the centurion was probably a good bloke. He'd become a supporter of Jesus. But remember, he was a representative of Herod, the puppet king of the Romans. A Jew helping a Roman wouldn't have gone down well. And Luke also tells us how Jesus befriended Zacchaeus, tax collector, for the Romans, seen as a turncoat by the Jews and the pariah. So Jesus seemingly did nothing to directly oppose the Roman occupation. Indeed, he showed toleration for the Romans, far from popular amongst the Jews. But in fact, I suggest Jesus' aim was to solve conflict on a higher level. He sought to deal with the root cause, His aim was peace in the world, not just Israel. His command was for people to love God and to love one another. But the message wasn't welcome, was it? Not to the Jews, not to the Romans or other pagans. Jesus had opposition, his disciples too, and the apostles and the believers then in the early church. So Jesus had to say to his followers, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And in this world, you will have trouble. The sword, of course, is not a real one to fight the Romans. It was a me- metaphorical one to fight bad. The fight between good and bad was to be no bed of roses. It was indeed to be a human cost of that early conflict. Supremely, the cost was the earthly life of Jesus. And then Stephen became a Christian martyr, killed by an angry mob. Then the disciple James, who was a staunch apostle and church leader, he was martyred by Herod. And the apostle Paul, who did so much to advance Jesus' message amongst all peoples, martyred by Nero. Yet, as Val read, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Well, Jesus promised peace in their hearts and in their long-term futures, not necessarily in the surroundings of their lives. So in faith terms, if we think of the human cost of conflict, we can think of the conflict between good and bad, and the efforts and sacrifices of those in the early church. The early church was in a fight for survival. There was a human cost to all involved, and we benefit from that. For us now in this free country and age, um, it's easier to be a Christian, but still not necessarily really easy. Christianity is Britain's established religion. But practising Christians are in a minority and often opposed. But remember Jesus' words, My peace I leave you, my peace I give you, the peace of the Holy Spirit. Well, world peace is still a work in progress because there is still good and bad in a fallen world. Bad has to be opposed, but we shouldn't lose hope. Peace will come, have faith, keep at it. So this first part of remembrance has had to do with those who fought the good fight at human cost in the early Christian church. We're going to sing again. Oh, let the God, oh, let the Son of God enfold you. And we'll sing this as an encouragement. please sit. Please sit or be seated. I managed to mangle the two together. Uh, The second part. uh, Well, this year the media have rightly focused on it being the 75th anniversary of notable events and sacrifices in World War II. Italy, D-Day liberation of France, events in the Far East and more. And rightly so, um, we've been remembering all who did their duty, And we've been honoring veterans of the Second World War. But I'd like just to maybe dwell uh, for a final time on the centenary of the Great War, World War I. 2014 was the centenary of the start of the war. 2015 was 100 years on from the Battle of Luce, lose, loss, however you like to pronounce it. 2016 was the centenary of the Somme. 2017, the battles of Arras and Passchendaele, 3rd, Ypres. Last year, 2018, the century of the armistice, very notable. But armistice was, of course, not the end. It was a ceasefire, pending full agreement of terms that would be needed by the nations for a proper peace settlement. Now, agreeing peace terms took longer than desired. The armistice had to be extended several times. Brexit delays, nothing new. Finally, Treaty of Versailles, 100 years ago this past June. So this year is the centenary of peace. Now, that long salt after peace brought a problem for the country, how to mark the occasion. Country was divided as so much as it has been with Brexit. Some wanted to rejoice, to celebrate peace. They wanted a victory parade. Others so saw no justification at all for rejoicing or celebration. A million of the British Empire dead and buried or lost across France and Belgium. Britain was bankrupt. Industry that had reoriented to the war effort was on its knees. Social upheaval. Definitely not a country fit for returning heroes. Massive unemployment. But it was the king who settled it. The King said, celebrations there will be, and prompt. And they got it sorted in three weeks, would you believe? A victory parade, 20,000 service men and women through London, festivities in the London parks, events all over the country, firework displays to round off the day of 19th of July 1919. Not everywhere was peaceful, though. Rioting in Luton and Coventry in protest against poor treatment of veterans and social conditions. But arising from that, there was an annual commemoration agreed and Remembrance Sunday in our churches alongside it. So at the end of this service, we shall follow a format which is used countrywide In the remembrance proceedings that grew out of that peace celebration a hundred years ago so reflecting that this is the anniversary of peace we'll sing again we declare your majesty the song of everlasting celebration of our faith So the third part then, um, our folk in the Great War. Last year, NBCers came up with 20 of their family members who'd served one way or another in the Great War. And we assembled what we could about their lives and times. There was a bit of a write-up display out the back. A few were one generation away. There's a father, father father-in-law, uncle. Most two generations away, grandfathers, great uncles. They all served in uniform in the Great War, all relatives of us who live today. The top line on the left, Harold Ballard, that was Ian Forsyth's grandfather. Top line on the right, Horace Horton, Val's great uncle. Well, we've not researched them any more to find out what happened after the war, so I'm just recounting what we discovered last year. So, for five of the 20, and if we could move on a slide, please, thanks very much. For five of the 20, marked with a poppy on the slide, there was no homecoming to loved ones. They'd been killed in service during the war. Two graves in Belgium, one in France, two memorials to the missing. So, 15 of the 20 survived the war. Next slide, please, David. Edwal Rees and Alfred Herring were prisoners of war when the fighting ceased at armistice. Now, they were both promptly freed because, of course, the Allies were in command of the camps after the armistice. And they did get back fairly swiftly into employment, Alfred Herring with his Victoria Cross, no less. Edwal Rees with a military cross, and Richard Rowe's uncle, Horace Derling, also got one of those medals for conspicuous bravery and valor. Next slide, please. There were three who were already back in the UK at armistice due to wounds. They did recover, they led fairly normal lives, but at least two of them had lifelong after effects, well, as did many others, probably most others really, mental or physical. So there were only 11 or 12 of the 20 still in service overseas when the fighting stopped in 1918. Now think of it, expectations of those guys were high they wanted to be back home and in a few weeks with family but they couldn't all be sent home based on an armistice nobody really knew that there would be a peace treaty hostilities might resume so they had to stay and even the logistics of getting them home well there were nearly four million of them scattered over france and belgium it had taken four years to get them out there return was impossible at the drop of a hat Yet what do you do with all of those soldiers in France and Belgium when there wasn't fighting to occupy them? They'd heard enough of the sergeant major bawling at them and drills. Well, it was a problem, but eventually it did seem the armistice would hold. Priorities were set for return. Firstly, those needed for key positions to get Britain working again. Civil servants, workers for key industries. Second, those who volunteered early. It was a sort of first-in, first-out system. The system did change in the light of protests. Compassionate cases got to be considered. But for some, it took many months before they were back home. In our list, Vanel's grandfather, Ern Newman, didn't get home until July 1919. Ian Forsyth's grandfather, not until November 1919 the full year after armistice. When they did get back, not everyone found it was a land fit for heroes. Probably half of our returned folk slotted back into the sort of jobs that they'd left. The other half had more problems, for unemployment was high. That was another sacrifice that these guys made, not just in doing their duty out there, but, well, foregoing their normal, settled lives in this country in going out there in the first place. So that was our folk then, 100 years ago, uh, in the year of peace. So let's remember them, bow our heads as we pray. Lord God, we specifically remember those of our own families who served in the Great War, the 20 on our list, and others we've missed, but known to you. We remember, too, our family members who served in World War II and other conflicts, they all did their duty for the sake of freedom, the freedom of others, for our freedom. We thank you for them, and we ask you to bless them. Amen. i going to sing again, Faithful One, reflecting on our rock in times of trouble. part of our service this morning is to broaden out our remembrance to reflect on all conflicts past and present doing what many others are doing countrywide at similar gatherings today or tomorrow. The Scriptures. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning isaiah 40 those who wait for the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint and micah wrote what does the lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. So let us stay seated as we pray, please. Let's pray. We meet in the presence of God to remember. They said, when you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow we gave our today. So we remember with thanksgiving and sorrow those whose lives in world wars and conflicts, past and present, have been given and taken away. We ask you give peace to those remaining who love them in death as in life. We pray for all who in bereavement, disability and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror. We pray for all members of the armed forces who are in danger this day, remembering also their families, their friends and all who pray for their safe return. Amen. And so, in remembering, could we please say together the words on the screen? They they shall not grow (laughs) old. Start again. Do beg pardon. Do beg pardon. Right, let's say the words on the screen, and I shall read them properly this time. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. Please now stand, if you are able, as we have our two-minute silence when we remember with gratitude all those sacrifices made, past and present. Thank you. Uh, We'll remain standing as we sing, O God, our help in ages past. please said remembrance is a good thing to do but sad conflicts past and present have wrought and still bring so much suffering but hear these words of Jesus again from John 14:27. spoke to his troubled disciples whilst he was still with them but when he promised that the Holy Spirit would be with them always promise meant for us also today peace I leave with you My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Amen. So now it's uh, choice time. You can go out to the back and have a chat. I think there'll be some refreshments there. Or you can join others, walk down to the Scout Hut and then join the parade uh, down to St. John's. So, thank you very much, everybody who's contributed, sound desk, musicians, uh, and David on uh, projection. Thank you very much indeed.
1: Bye.